nonprofits, let's raise more money. For this episode, Jason and Trevor sit down with Tim Kachuriak to talk about his unique story of how he entered the nonprofit space and how to establish and retain donor relationships. Let's get right into it. Tell us about you, man. Yeah, tell us next after. Tell us you how in the world did you get in this fundraising world? Yeah, give us the story, man. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I think like most people, I took a very indirect pathway into the nonprofit space. So my story is I grew up um, in Pittsburgh, just outside of Pittsburgh, yeah. Pennsylvania. Went to college there, graduated right after 9-11. And like, you know, horrible time to enter into the job force. But fortunately, I worked at a country club all during mm-hmm. high school and college. So... I like to say I had like 432 aunts and uncles that were captains of industry. And so when I needed a job, I called yeah. Uncle Joe, right? Yeah. And so Joe Blattner was the president of the second largest ad agency. And I went and met with him and did my little dog and pony show. He's like, man, I'd love to hire you, kid, but we just laid off 30 right. people yesterday. You know, 9-11 yeah, hit our industry sure. hard, agency harder. Yeah. He can't help you. So it was like six months of that kind of like wandering in the wilderness, just trying to find somebody to give me a shot. I met a serial entrepreneur uh, by the name of John Vento, and he had all these little companies he operated. He said, maybe you could do some marketing projects for these, you know, these different businesses I run. I said, that sounds great. And then he said, why don't you start a business? I was like, well, I don't know how to do that. He's like, well, I do. We've got an incubator on the second floor of our office building. I'll give you a desk. I'll introduce you to people. I'll be your partner. And the rest is up to you, kid. So... I'm like living in my parents' basement, right? I'm just like, you know, what do I got to lose? So I started this company called Ambience Marketing Services, and we did pretty much anything, you know, that would pay <laughs> money. So we did, <laughs> we did, we all covers. Yeah. yeah, all covers. Yeah, all, yeah. yeah, exactly. We we had like video equipment. We were like shooting like TV commercials and stuff like that. And then we started doing websites. Cool. And um, so kind of went into like the interactive space. Loved what I was doing. I did that for about five years. Moved out of the incubator. Had like a small staff, a little office. and uh, But I wasn't really excited about the clients we were working with. Not that yeah. they were bad, but we had like mm-hmm. a lot of like automotive dealerships and law firms. Yep. Yep. And, yeah. So um, my church was doing a capital campaign to build a new building. And I said, well, maybe I can help with that. And so I kind of was doing marketing for this cause. And I was like, this is kind of cool. I kind of like the feel of that. Uh, so kind of went through this crisis of career, like what do I want to do with the rest of my life? And so I ended up um, taking a job at a nonprofit in South Florida in a matter of like 35 days. We sold our house, sold our business, moved from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to, to yes, South sir. Florida. The day I got there, the founder of the organization who had been there for 35 years had a heart wow. attack and he oh, passed whoa. away. Uh, and I should point out that correlation is not causation, at least I hope not right. in my case, but uh, I hope I wasn't the reason. But anyway, um, we went from like a $36 million a year organization to 18 in less than 12 wow. months. So it was like death spiral. He had built right? a lot of relationships. Every, um, everything was on his yeah. relationships. and yeah. 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 Exactly right. It was kind of like he was, he was the celebrity yeah. of the organization yeah. and all the major donors were like, we're just going to wait totally. and see what happens. So that was my first violent shove into fundraising. They said, look, whatever you're doing on the internet, figure out how that stuff generates yeah. revenue. And I didn't really like it at first. I thought that like fundraising was kind of like the, I don't know, necessary evil, mm-hmm. the dark side of yeah. nonprofit work. Um, but then I met this guy named Tom McCabe who ran this agency out of Dallas called KMA Direct Communications. And he said, hey, look, I don't know what your future looks like here, but you know, we've been doing direct mail for 30 years. We'd love to move in this digital space. Would you like to come and start a digital fundraising division? I said, yeah. that sounds great. So that's how I got to Dallas in 2012. I was there for about two and a half years. We got acquired by another yeah, agency. Good time. Yep. And then um, about 2000, May of 2012 is when I started Next After. Cool. Right so on. Kind of like a very 
Awkward. You've been in it, you've been in it for a decade. That's awesome. I, I want to say yeah. something. You know, it's kind of real interesting. You just you just brought something up, and I think this is really. I want to hear your thoughts on it. So you said, well, it's kind of like the dark side of of being in the nonprofit world because yeah. a lot of people all they think about is, oh man, this is so much fun. We're going to go out here and help somebody. We're doing all this. Yeah, mission. Well, yeah, you can't do. You know, one doesn't happen without the other. You got to have some fuel in the tank that that makes it all work 100%. because you can only go so far with volunteer time and and you know I'm going to do it out of passion. Passion doesn't, as somebody said, exactly love right. doesn't pay the bills. <laughs> well, and even, you know, fun, fundraising is kind of like a, a ministry unto yeah, yeah. itself, right? Because like you get to inspire people to look past mm-hmm. their own wants, needs, interests, and desires and see how they can take some of what they have and actually help meet the wants, needs, interests, and desires of other people, which is totally, beautiful. Right. Yeah. yeah. The altruistic yeah. side of it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, yeah. there's something I, I, cause I know that, you know, this is, you said on your LinkedIn profile, you have, um, what is it exactly intrigued about, you know, why people give and you're, you're intrigued, yeah. obsessed, obsessed with it. Okay. I, think yeah. I love it. So, I love it. So tell us what you've learned about why people give. And maybe how that's changed in the last couple of years. I'm gonna do a follow-up before the question's even answered, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, the first thing is like, there's not mm-hmm. one answer. Like people give for a variety of different reasons and especially it changes by generation. Like the older generations, like the boomers and things, they gave out of a sense of duty, responsibility. This is the right thing to do. I was trained to kind of go and be responsible for meeting the needs of my community members. But then like, as you kind of move to other generations, it's more about like a, a identity or a sense of belonging. I'm attaching my mm-hmm. identity to the things that I give my right. money towards. And then some people give out of emotion. Uh, honestly, emotion is a very powerful driver, especially like in, when you look at like kind of political mm-hmm. giving, right? People are angry, they're frustrated, they want to see this change made in the world and their giving is an outlet for them to be able to go achieve that. And then, you know, some people give for that, that feeling, that warm glow as it's mm-hmm. often described, which is uh, kind of even beyond description because it makes them feel really good about themselves that they're actually doing something that's, you know, additive as, as opposed to just consumering. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think you're right. I, I, I've used this example a lot whenever I've given talks and, and to different nonprofits and groups. And I said, you know, we all would pick one cause, you know, there's one thing that I'm really passionate about and I give to it for 25 years. And the change was over in, um, the new, newer generations, I'm not going to name them all off, but you'll know exactly, you mm-hmm. know, everybody kind of understands their mm-hmm. specific cause. You know, my daughter loves animals. Mm-hmm. She actually works for our company, but she loves mm-hmm. animals, very passionate. And I remember whenever she gave um, money to a fund, it was to because a puppy was born with feet upside down. And so she gave, you know, a hundred bucks to mm. help do the surgery to turn the feet upside down. Now, it was to a specific thing, and, and it was very specific emotional response to do that. And I was like, that's where this there's a lot of trend to that in the new giving. It's not, you know, just because they gave to you once doesn't mean they're going to give to you forever. Your cultivation and response to that and, and engagement with them needs to be significantly more than just, oh, well, you know, we're going to send a letter out at the end of the year and, and Tim's going to keep giving us some money. 100%. Well, Jason, you, I mean, you nailed it. Like that is honestly like the, the epidemic in the nonprofit space is donor mm-hmm. retention. Like we're, we're good at like kind of getting people to give that one time. But like most nonprofit organizations are going to lose like 70% of their donors every year. I mean, like that's like unsustainable. Yeah, attrition's bad. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Um, Oh, I was going to say, my follow-up question that I asked before you even answered the initial was, 
because we're fascinated by this, Tim, uh, what's gone on and what's taken place over the last couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. So you did mention, of course, as like political giving, you did mention generations and things of that nature and ushering in the new. But what have you noticed? What's been like, aha, over the last couple of years that you've noticed and in, in, in how giving's changed or the impetus for it? Well, I mean, you know, especially over the last decade, the migration towards people giving online. I mean, and obviously that, that's the space where I spend most of our, our resource and effort is really focusing on how do we inspire more people to give online? Um, and, you know, forever, like online giving has followed the trends of e-commerce. So like, you know, as more and more people are kind of used to buying and selling things online, of course, like giving is just a natural extension of that. But uh, it had been growing kind of steadily, but then it gave it got this violent shove in 2020, mm-hmm. right? So like you know the the COVID pandemic like really like radically shift how a lot of nonprofit organizations could relate to their donors. They couldn't do in person events. I mean, it just wasn't wasn't happening. They couldn't do face to face meetings with their donors in person, right? So they were turning to like online tools like Zoom and you know go to meeting and things like that to be able to go and relate to their donors in that way. Uh, but really, digital fundraising is kind of an interesting, it's an interesting medium because it's so like responsive. I can get feedback in real time. And that's really how we approach the web as not just a channel of communication, but a laboratory where we can run rigorous scientific experiments and try to understand what works and what doesn't when it comes to inspiring people to give. So that's, that's I think, the biggest trend and the thing that I'm most how excited about. T- so how do you correlate like in the instant gratification piece of it? You know, right now I can click a button and I've got a whole pile of stuff show up, shows up at my door tomorrow, or I can buy something. It's very impulsive. You know, I can like, get a like, put something on. How, how does that all tie into, um, you know, the feedback of making sure that donors get that feedback of what their money's doing? Well, I mean, the first and foremost is it's it all comes down to like targeting, right? So like in the past you would go and like, rent these lists mm-hmm. of direct mail names of people that maybe gave to similar types right. of causes or subscribe to certain kinds of magazines or have certain kinds of interests or affinities. But we've gotten so much more granular because like everybody has told Facebook what they like. Uh, Every yeah, time they yeah. click that like button, they yeah. are signaling that I am interested in this thing, which gave us, gave us a whole new way of being able to target people based off their affinities. So, so really it's about meeting those people kind of like at that moment with something that is going to be most relevant and most interesting to them. And, and, you know, fundraising is always kind of like a disruptive type of thing. Like people aren't going to like Googling, Oh, I got a bunch of money in my pocket. Who can I give it away to today? Yeah. So, so, so it's really about kind of like meeting those people at the right place at the right time. And digital has really opened up a whole new way for us to do, do you, that. Do you see, um, and, and this is, Maybe what you do. Why don't you just tell us what do you guys do? What is your company? Um, tell us. Yeah. What, what do you guys do? Yeah. You do Pull the curtain back. Right? Pull the curtain yeah, back us, for tell us. Tell us how yeah. you work with nonprofits to help them raise more money. Yeah, absolutely. So next after is really it's if I break it down, it's really three things. So we're a fundraising research lab, we're a consultancy, and we're a training institute. And I'll kind of explain cool. those three pieces and cool. how they fit together. So starting first with the research. We do two types of research at Next After, both forensic research and applied research. Forensic research means we're analyzing large amounts of data across the nonprofit sector, across multiple verticals within the sector. And what we're looking for in the data is patterns that lead to opportunities to unlock greater digital fundraising performance. So like I said, we are hyper, hyper focused around digital. We believe it's the future. But it's still an underdeveloped channel for many organizations. The challenge that we've run into with the forensic research is that the kind of data we're most interested in analyzing either does not exist 
or it's not readily accessible. And that's because what we are most interested in is trying to experience the charity, the nonprofit, the NGO from the donor's point of view. So we found the best way to capture that perspective is by becoming donors ourselves. So uh, two to four times a year, what we'll do is one of these major mystery donor studies. And simply, you know, we'd go and subscribe to hundreds of different organizations Mm -hmm. at the same time. We'll monitor everything they send us, every email, every text message, every voicemail. We get boxes and boxes of direct mail. We parse through every piece of correspondence, and we wait for the organizations to invite us to become a financial partner by giving a gift. And when they do that, we go online to their website, and we'll give them a donation as small as $20, as large as $5,000. And then we continue to monitor how they communicate and engage with us over time. And what we're trying to do is really just trying to understand where are the gaps in terms of how different types of organizations relate to their supporters. And so we'll publish like these research journals, like mm-hmm. show all the, you know, the, the glaring mm-hmm. holes that exist and kind of people are like, oh yeah, oh man, that's probably me, right? And so we put a spotlight on the problem. Then we say, okay, well, how do we solve the problem? So we take what we learned from the mystery donor research and we bring it over to the other part of our research arm, which is doing more applied research. And that's where we're really kind of using the web to run tests, A-B tests, multivariate tests, testing this web page versus this web page, this email versus this email, this ad versus this ad, this copy versus this copy. And then we can, we can in real time separate the traffic. So like 50% of the people get version A, 50% people get version B, and we can see what performs better. And out of that, we extract the, the universal transferable principles that work over and over again. We bring all that over to the two other parts of our company, uh, the consultancy, which is really the only for-profit arm of Next After. So we work with about 45, 46 nonprofits, mm-hmm. large you know, NGOs, and help them to basically engineer what we find in our research into their fundraising programs. And then we've got this institute side, which is really just about training, equipping. We take everything we learn, distill it down into resources, templates, guides. We've got nine certification courses. Cool. And we teach workshops. And put on oh, cool. So is that what you're at right now? Are you at one of the conferences that you put on right now? No, this is a, this is a conference for the Texas, hold on, Texas Community College oh, Foundation. Oh, oh cool. All so, right. You know, so if you're talking to a big group of nonprofit um, executives, which if you're mm-hmm. on this podcast, that's what this is directed to. Um, every, all of our audience, this is what they do. They're either an executive director. Typically, they're you know on a board, some, some way in the nonprofit world of raising money. What could you, if you were just to pull out of all the research stuff that you've done working with, what are the, maybe mm-hmm. the top two or three things? And I'm, you know, this is not going to be exact. I'm not asking for the scientific deal. Mistakes or misunderstanding Ooh, that yeah. that NGOs, yes, nonprofits, yep. that these people have, that they, they're going to find in common? Okay. Uh, let me start with something very strategic, and, I, and I'll give you a couple of tactical cool, cool. things as well. So, so on the strategic side, first of all, most nonprofit fundraising executives or executive directors or CEOs do not understand their own value proposition. Okay. So this is something we hammer mm-hmm. all the time. I, I'll go to any like nonprofit, like CX suite, whatever. And I'll say, Hey, tell me what's your value proposition. And they'll kind of wax and wane about like their mission, their values and like the old cool, the cool things to do. I said, that's awesome. That's not a value proposition. The value proposition is the answer to a fundamental question that every single donor has to hear the answer to, but they're never going to ask. And the question is this: if I am your ideal donor, why should I give to you rather than some other organization or not at all? And I'll ask that question and then they'll pause and they're like, uh, and I'm like, yeah, exactly. Right. 
So, so what we've learned about value proposition, having like explored this and tested it and researched it, is that there's four key dimensions to a really effective value proposition. The first one is appeal, right? Your value proposition must be appealing. It must be something that people like, that they want, a change they want to be, see made in the world, right? It's got to have this mass appeal mm-hmm. to it. The second thing is it has to be exclusive in some way. Like I could have something that's highly appealing, like solving, you know, homelessness, right? But if I'm one of like a thousand organizations that are doing that, the number of competing options dilutes the potency mm-hmm. of the appeal of that value proposition. So I have to have a way that I do it different than everyone else. What is my only factor, right? How, how am I doing it differently than somebody else? Uh, the third dimension is uh, credibility. People have to believe it. They have to trust it. They have to believe that I'm the right person to solve that problem. They have to believe that when they give me money, that I'm trustworthy. I'm going to steward it well. I'm going to make impact and deliver that impact back to them in the form, you know, of you know, a feedback loop and giving people like the stories and the the, the you know the impact that they've mm-hmm. bought into, right? And then the final piece, and this is the hardest one, is clarity. The donor must understand it because it must be framed from a donor-centric point of view, not an organizational Clarity of messaging or what have you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, these are basic kind of things, but like most people don't really kind of well, think I, about it like we, that. We do. We, we coach nonprofits every day. We just provide it. We let them do it. And, and the, probably the number one thing, and we've been doing, you know, we've done over a hundred webinars um, and we do this stuff. And the number one thing that comes back is if I say, what am I going to get for my investment? And, and the context is mm. if I'm a giver, you know, and, and I'm going to use it on myself, I'm going to say, let's say a wealthy, and we kind of use it as a wealthy giver. They were smart sure. how they made their money. They're smart mm-hmm. how they keep it. They're smart how they give it away. Nobody takes a check for $10,000 and gives it to the homeless guy on the street corner. Why? Because they know that's not a good right. investment because they don't get good leverage. And mm. when you ask them, what am I going to get? They can't do it. They, they really, they struggle because mm-hmm. they don't know what, you know, you talk about value proposition for my $10,000. What's that going to do? How many people is that going to impact? Whatever right. it is, you got to be able yeah. to just give that deal. And yeah. what, this is what we did, what we're doing, what we're going to do. And, and so I, I'm curious, and this is a question I have because of the digital marketing, because mm-hmm. we go from, you know, I've got a whole theory about micro giving, um, because that's what, mm-hmm. the way it is with the large investors. But what about the small investor that like you're talking about in the digital where we're asking for the five, the 10, the 20, the hundred, maybe more, but, or maybe the recurring investment. How does, how does all that weigh between those two, two different groups the, the, from a financial? Well, I, I don't, I don't think that there's any, any, yeah, there's, there, there's really no difference. I mean, anytime you can kind of like anchor a $25 gift is going to provide X number of meals to X number of people. Like anytime you can do that, it's certainly more compelling. It's a more clear mm-hmm. and tangible value proposition. Not every organization can do that. So, you know, you take stories and you kind of try to like give people an understanding of like, in the instance of not like the millions of people that need this, but this one person named Edward, mm-hmm. right? Like how yeah. are we going to solve Edward's problem? You give an example of like how your organization meets the needs that Edward has. Like that's, that's one of the ways that you can create clarity around the value propositions with the, you know, extracting one person's mm-hmm. story. I, I think that's such a really under, it's a great reminder. It's, well, it's, it's a great reminder that yeah. people, that nonprofit, they just don't under, they don't think of it that way. They think, you know, it's, we laugh about this and this is kind of the ongoing joke. Somebody calls up, hi, my name's Jason Tim and I'm a five, you know, we, I'm a, we're a 501 C three and this, that, and the other. It's like, right. okay, let's get to the point. I know you're a 501 C three. What do you do? And you start asking right. those questions. They go, well, gosh, you know, um, and it locks up and I, I don't, you know, I don't have an answer. And it's like, 
and we see that over and over and over again. <laughs> and uh, yep. I, I, but I think all this all goes back to what you said your first experience was when you sold everything and moved to Florida and the guy has a heart attack. And that is mm -hmm. the relationships were built around him and not the mission. Not the mission. Yeah. And so could you speak to that a little bit? Well, see this, this is a tricky one, right? Because like the, the, the other kind of like meta finding from all our research is that people oh, give to people, yeah. not to websites, not to well, email uh, campaigns, not to could not say email, that enough. You know, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You're right. And, and so, so one of the things I think that honestly, most nonprofits do very poorly is humanizing the giving experience for their donors. And so let, let me give you like a very practical example. Mm -hmm. Like this is like a more tactical thing. So, uh, Email fundraising is probably like the, the biggest, you know, sub channel of digital fundraising, right? It's, it really does the mm -hmm. lion's share for most of our clients. They're sending email appeals. It's very similar to direct mail, but it's mm -hmm. faster and it's cheaper and all those things. Um, the problem is if you look at most nonprofit fundraising email uh, appeals, they're very highly designed, right? Like HTML and images and graphics and big clickable buttons. And, you know, for the bigger organizations, if you read the copy, it sounds like it's written from a professional copywriter because it usually in fact is. And the problem with that approach, which everybody does, is that when the potential donor sees that in email in their inbox, all they see is somebody trying to market to them. And people don't want to be marketed to. They want to be communicated with. People don't give to email machines. They give to people. So a test that we've done with dozens of organizations, we've done it in different countries, we've done it in different languages. We'll take your HTML version to email. We'll create a new version that's more plain text. And it's like, we'll rewrite the copy so it sounds like it's just like from Tim to Trevor, <coughs> Tim to Jason, right? Just one-to-one -one kind of email. Very simple. Less is more. Are you exactly. big brevity fan? I'm just, okay, yeah, good, exactly. good, good. Two, three, four, 500% increase in conversion by taking that approach, right? So it's simple things like that, that most people like kind of look past, mm -hmm. like, oh, that doesn't look very professional. Yeah, but it's very effective. It's overdone. Right? I think and it's so just overdone. Like you said, right. it's overbranded, Tim. You know what I mean? Yes. Like you said, it's, yeah. yeah. Personal you, is always better. What we do you appreciate think that is day. the most underutilized thing that people are, that, that we have access to? That I'm, and I'm saying just the average nonprofit doesn't have to be a multi-million dollar national mm -hmm. or, you know, maybe not necessarily, you know, the startup, but I mean, just to the average of the road, let's say. Five hundred thousand to a million dollar nonprofit that they they would tools they would have access to. What is the most underutilized yep. um, in your from your research things that you see uh, tool that they have that they have access to and they just don't use it? Yeah, this is real simple too. Everybody can affect this. The copy that's on their donation page. Mm. If you look at most nonprofit organizations' donation pages, it's simply just a command: donate now. And big there's a form. Gold button. Go do it's all a this big gold work. Button. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. and you fill it out. But they don't have any copy on that page that's reinforcing the value proposition. And here's why that's mm -hmm. dangerous. If you look across the entire industry, less than 17% of the people that click the donate button on the nonprofit's website, get to the donation page, complete the donation. Wow. And the reason why is because that donation page is all cost and no value. They're not using their words. I mean, it's just like, it's like <laughs> a preschooler. Like yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, you know exactly. Like, Use yeah, yeah. your words to reinforce the reasons why I should continue with this process that nobody likes to do. Filling out a form online? Are you kidding me? I hate that. Everybody hates that. So, Well, speak to that. I mean, on a, in a macro, I mean, 30,000 foot view, Tim, it's like we're talking about just like ease of use, ease of conversion, mm -hmm. removing yeah. friction, all these things that we know, we understand. I constantly say, I mean, I don't know if it's, you know, I'm the, I, I invented this idea or whatever. Consumers are donors. 
You know, donors are consumers. Yes, yes. It's like people like yes. ease and friction points and we're trained to use this and use it really well now. So why not make donating? Why not make event the event space that we are in, you know, similar and symbiotic in a way because that matches and mirrors, you know, what our real life looks like. So why not? You know what I mean? It just makes sense. I just... I, I, it's, it's, it's an uphill battle at the moment, right? We're pushing the boulder uphill as opposed to down at the moment, but we're making progress though. Honestly, like I think, I think, I think most people are really catching on to that concept, Trevor. And, uh, and, and that's, and that's, and that's good news, but you're absolutely right. Like these are not different. No, exactly. Like, it's not exactly. Like, you, know, you have yeah, donors yeah. over here and you have like, you know, consumers over here. You're right. They're exactly the same people. So that's, a, that's a great, great way. Well, we keep saying that in the event space, it's like you got to appeal, you know, cons- donors are consumers and, I say to people sometimes, cause we're in, you know, we, we offer trips and experiences in a lot of events and, and we say, mm-hmm. you know, uh, consumers like options. So why wouldn't you give that to your donors? You know what I mean? That kind yeah. of thing when it comes to like exactly. what I'm bidding yeah. on and making it unique and stuff like that, you know? So I, it's, well, a, but not too many, right? Because ah, like th- that's, that's another, we've learned is like, if you give them way brother. too many options, then they have like this kind of like paradox I, of choice. I, I, like, I stole ah, this one. I stole like, this one from some smart, some, some smart individual where I, I call it uh, paralysis by analysis, right? You know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. too much. I totally get it. I totally right. get it. But, well, I think one yeah. of the things that happens is they go, somebody gets, you know, I, I'm thinking of a specific client of ours right now. They've got this okay. really snazzy fundraising software and it's all this management and all this stuff. And it's kind of got all these preset templates and that's exactly how it looks. They exactly look like that. You know, they'll send a thank you email and it has a big donate button right in the middle of it. And I'm like, Take that off. If you're thanking somebody, just thank them. Don't right. ask, don't go, hey, thanks a lot for your deal, Tim. And by the way, if you'd like to give more money here, you know, um, right. doing that. Well, Tim, yeah. uh, I, I really appreciate you coming on. I, I you know, we, uh, we, 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 Try to keep these to 15, 20 minutes. We could do another hour with you, I know. But, uh, well, we'll have you on again. This yeah, happens to be, Tim, absolutely. I don't know if you know that this happens to be the number one podcast in the nonprofit space. So I really appreciate you coming on. And, uh, well, that's you have to, you have to come on again, man. That's awesome. Trevor and I believes think, it. Trevor's think, in the name it and claim it. He's, he just keeps saying it. So it, it must be. So. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna will it into existence. I'm gonna will it into an existence. This is our fourth episode. No, I'm joking. No. I'm joking. But uh, no, we'll definitely have well, you on again. I tell you what, we ought to fantastic. do. Let's get him to come on and do the webinar, and let's. I think having him do it. the exercise of the copy thing. I think that would be uh, really really cool. Yeah, I've got f- over four thousand five hundred experiments in our research library. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. That. awesome. Give people real life examples of what I'm talking about. Yeah. We're big fans of the fundamentals. Tell yeah. us where folks can meet, uh, can find you at, though, Tim, for ease of use, please. Uh, sure. I mean, if you can spell Kachuriak and Google that, uh, <laughs> I'm the only thing that popped up. I'm the only game in town. But most people can't. So the easiest thing would just be to go to nextafter.com. Okay. All of our research cool. is there, all the testing stuff that we talked about. You so can find awesome. Tim, now you live in Prosper? Yeah, I do. My, yeah. my wife's a bunch of my wife's family, my brother and sister-in-law, a bunch of nieces and nephews live in Prosper. She's from Pilot Point, Texas. Yeah. So Get out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, small okay. world. Wow. Yeah, that's very a small yeah. world. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, it's, a, it's kind of a smaller. Well, it's got. Oh my gosh, town. Prosper's <laughs> gigantic. It's crazy. So you probably live awesome. in, you might even live in the same neighborhood. Who knows? Because it's that's amazing. So <laughs> my son plays football, and we they just built like a fifty five million dollar like it football is, stadium, and they field seven football teams at the, yeah. at the high school level. Yeah. That sounds yeah. like it's, Texas. Uh, that sounds like Texas. <laughs> oh, it's bigger than. I mean, you go to a lot of uh, if they're. High school stadiums are bigger, nicer than a lot of D two. And some of the universities, yeah, yeah, yeah it's crazy. for sure. Yeah, makes sense. Tim, thank you. Okay, so now much, we're talking man. about sports. Yeah, hey, we appreciate you <laughs> Thanks, coming Tim. on. 
And yeah, uh, appreciate appreciate you coming on, man, and spending some time with us. You got to come yeah, on the webinar, like we said, sure. that'd be awesome, man. We'll, we'll we'd love to get that message out there. I think it's huge. We're big on fundamentals, man, and I know there's like some obviously some deep rooted, you know, factual evidence in the research, and I love the fact that you're taking it, you know, a laboratory approach at the company or have taken that approach. But people need to hear the fundamentals, like the value proposition thing. That's, right. that's gold, brother. That's gold. People need to hear yeah. that. So awesome. I love Thanks. it, brother. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you love our podcast, click the download button, rate us, and follow us on social media at HGA Fundraising. Get out there, start fundraising, and raise more money. See you next time.